tonight. I wanted to tell you about this quality of remembering because Vipassana practice by itself, you all know what to do. It's pretty straightforward. It's like looking in the mirror. If you don't look, you don't see. If you want to see what you look like, you've got to look in the mirror. Otherwise, you might forget. And then when you walk past uh, a storefront, and as you're walking, you look over and you see this face looking back at you, and you realize, oh, that's what I look like. But in daily life, we can often go along for quite some time without paying attention to what we look like. And I'm talking about what we look like inside. Even if you're a good meditator, how many of you are good meditators? You're all experts. Or you don't think you're a good meditator. But what, what does your meditation practice have to do with your life? How much do you remember while you're living your life of what you're doing when you're practicing meditation? So for me, meditation without precepts, without a general training of the mind, of the heart, of the body, of the senses, doesn't have much relevance to daily life. If it's only something that we do once a week or on a Tuesday night in September, September, yeah, September, once in a while, or when we get together with our friends, or for 10 minutes in the morning, or even for an hour every day. If then when we get up, whatever we do from then till the next day when we sit down to meditate or the next week, we're not bringing what we've learned in our meditation practice into everyday life. What's the use? What, is, what good is it doing? apart from giving us some refreshment, helping us with our stress, helping us feel good for a few minutes, having a sense of peace. And then our life is very busy and we become stressed all over again. So the meditation ends up being like just helping us get from one day to the next rather than to understand more about the meaning of our life or realize our full potential as human beings. So this, this evening when we were sitting and I kept saying, remember to come back, remember to be present. That's really the secret. What is there in our daily lives to remind us to look in the mirror? Look and see what's the state of my mind. So even if we can do vipassana practice and we learn a technique. And the technique is to understand and to see clearly what's arising in consciousness moment by moment and to know its ultimate nature, that it's impermanent, it's suffering, and it's not me. But what happens when you get on the bus and somebody takes the last seat but you were there first. They squeeze in in front of you and you get upset. 
then where is your meditation practice at that moment? In that, in those kind of little situations, or you buy something and somebody gives you too much change and you walk out of the store not bothering to give it back. Where are our precepts? Where, what are we doing day by day? Are we remembering to see what's in the mind in those little moments? The moments in between when we're able to implement the Vipassana technique. To what extent are we letting go greed, hatred, and delusion? Letting go grudge, resentment, or grief. Finding ways to forgive, be compassionate, and kind to ourselves and others. Stopping our, our senses, restraining the mind from going out to all the things in the world that are grabbing our attention all the time. The beautiful sights, smells, tastes, tactile sensations, the sounds, the music, the, the lovely conversations, the vacations, the holidays, all the experiences that this world is, is providing, or the, or the lack of things that we want to experience the disappointment, the frustration at not being able to experience all the delights that we long and hope for. And where, does the, where do those longings then take us? Are we able to use our knowledge of this practice in those moments when the mind forgets, when it cannot remember to come back and listen to the silence that is always there available for us so that we can be peaceful with the conditions we're living in. In my life as a nun, you might wonder, what on earth can I learn from you? You live such a different life. I mean, you talking to me. I didn't come here to invite you or, or suggest to you or ask you to shave your heads and wear a robe so that you can practice meditation better. So you might wonder, what have I got to share with you that might be relevant since we live very different lives? I was contemplating this today and I thought, remembering. I can just share with you how I remember to look in the mirror, even though we're not allowed to look in mirrors, except when I shave my head. Then we can use a mirror. We cover our mirrors. And why is that? So that we don't practice vanity. It's very simple. Everything that we do in the monastic life is a tool to remember why I'm here in this world. What am I doing with my life? And so taking refuge, we chanted this. I take refuge in the Buddha, the Dhamma, and the Sangha. Not just for five minutes tonight when we did this chant. But for us, as monastics, taking refuge is a full time. It's 24-7. So the robe 
It's not like I've got jeans in the cupboard. I don't. This is it. It's brown. And it's, it's uh, loose-fitting so that the body is not emphasized in any way. And it's impersonal. We all wear the same thing. It's a uniform. And it's for a purpose. So that we're constantly reminded of the Buddha, of how the Buddha dressed and how he lived and how he walked. And this robe teaches many things. It's difficult to wear. It's inconvenient. That's not how I think about it. I'm just describing to you. If, you, if I gave you a robe and said, here, try this on and wear it, the first thing you would do is you wouldn't be able to keep it on your shoulders. The second thing is you'd probably trip if you were walking downstairs. This many, many, it's a training. Many, many things that you have to learn. Shaving the head, people stare and they make faces at you. And it's a real challenge to be in public. Sure, in the, if you're in the monastery, no problem, we all look the same. But outside the monastery in the world, it's like you are somehow going against the current of the world. So you're constantly being reminded. Everyone becomes your mirror. You're constantly being reminded that no hair. Cancer, people think. Or they, or they um, feel like it's something weird, strange, fearful, something frightening. Maybe not now, but certainly 20 years ago. It wasn't that common. But for me, it's, these things are a constant reminder of my commitment to train myself to be present. To train myself to pay attention. Where is my mind? What am I thinking? So it's the remembrance to be present. To let go of my attachments to what I want as a person. And to remember my commitment. My commitment is to develop purity of body, speech, and mind. That's the path. It's not just meditation like enjoy <coughs> some blissful mind state and feel good about myself, feel peaceful. But it's a whole way of living. And that way of living depends on purification of the mind. Purification of the mind depends on purification of action and speech. So it's, it's a formula for life. It doesn't mean that everyone has to shave their heads and wear robes. This is the most extreme commitment that you can make to this practice. And it's very powerful. It, because it's 24-7, it's like a jet plane. If you do something once a week, when you have to walk to New York, It'll take you a long time. And if you do it every day, you get there faster. If you just walk a little little bit every day, then... But if you do it all day, every day, you'll get there much faster. That's just logic. So if you're constantly looking in the mirror, constantly seeing what you're doing and how you are in the world, and seeing how you react, without identifying with who it is, believing that I am this body, I am the thoughts that are going on in the mind. So this is 
understanding the non-self, seeing the impermanence of the, of the life, seeing the changingness and the arising of suffering constantly, then your meditation is in every posture. And you're able to remember, to contemplate and reflect, what, where is my mind? Where is the focus? To empty out all the rubbish, the angry moment, the greedy moment, the deluded moment, the chaotic moment, being caught up with other people's opinions or our own opinion about ourselves. We are forced to remember, and it's hard. Sometimes the mind goes into a rebellion. Yeah, it does. This container, if you think it's hard, anybody here find their mind getting distracted during the few moments that we were meditating? A little bit, or? Wild, maybe. As soon as I wake up in the morning, the first thing I think of is the Buddha. I just reach for my robes. Even what I'm wearing, I have robes that I sleep in. I see the, the robe and it reminds me. The robe to me represents my teacher. It's wonderful. As soon as I wake up, it's like, where is your mind? And it brings me right back to my commitment to this training. Now, my mind doesn't always want to be reminded. So I have to remind. Mind your mind. Mindfulness. To be mindful is to have your mind full of the present moment and nothing else. But there will be rebellion. Putting on my robe is complicated. You have to pay attention. It's, it's not simple like as simple as lay clothes. And, and it takes a long time to learn how to do it, how to fold it, how to keep it, how to unfold it. It's like an art in itself. And then the bowl. And then the whole schedule of what, what we can eat, when we eat, what time. The restriction, so much restriction. And people think, why, why, why? Well, how free are you You're in your lives? You're so free, you can do whatever you like. Are you happy? Having all this freedom? It's wonderful, isn't it? But it also lets the mind roam. This freedom doesn't help us when we have to restrain the mind and sit down even for half an hour. You cannot keep your mind on one object because it's so constantly bombarded by many, many objects, colors and sounds, tastes, beautiful experiences, sense contact at every level. Then you have lovely memories. If you're not able to experience it right now, you can sit and remember it. That lovely mountain that you climbed and that beautiful sunset you saw. Even people when they go on holiday, they get so busy taking photographs and then looking at the photographs, you wonder what they actually experienced of that nice sunset. What's really, really important 
is to find things that will help us to remember to restrain our sense doors, our senses, as we come into contact with the world around us, as we're living, not just when we're meditating, so that we can purify the mind and come to that place of stillness long enough, deeply enough, powerfully enough to really benefit from where we can be rather than getting lost in where we used to being. Ask yourself, where did your mind hang out most of the time? And when you're looking in the mirror, what are you looking at? How many more wrinkles you have? And how you wish you didn't have them? Or how you can beautify that form that appears there, which is really not going to last, no matter how much you doctor it out. Hair coloring, shampoo, and all the things that you with clothing, how much time we invest in beautifying ourselves. But to make the present moment sacred, we really have to spend a lot of time training the mind to let go of attachment to the outer form. We have to pay more attention to what's going on on the inside. And when you sit down to look at the contents of your mind and you see how busy it is, how messy, how chaotic, no matter how neatly you're dressed and how pretty you look on the outside and how rich you are and how successful and how great people think you are, it's all empty when you sit down and you feel like rubbish inside or you feel insecure, uncertain, hopeless or you're you're sick or someone you know that you love is sick there's nothing you can do about it or you contemplate birth, old age, sickness and death and where we're all going or what's happening in the world you feel maybe some distress about global warming or the political situation. What is it that we really take refuge in? To remember and to find things that will remind us. This is what's useful to explore in life. For me, taking these three refuges every day and bowing, bowing, I don't mean physically. I mean finding ways to bow to the present moment as often as you can. Like if somebody says something not nice to you, instead of getting angry, can you just stop, take a deep breath and remember to take refuge and listen to the tape. I hate that. I hate what that person, I hate what he said. They can't talk to me like that. No. Come back to, not they can't talk to me like that, but what are you feeling? What's that sound doing to your body, to your mind? Just hear it. Just listen to it. Hear the the reaction in your mind and take refuge in non-anger, in letting go that angry thought. It's just a thought. Don't train your mind to be upset with that sound that brings anger up in consciousness. But try to hear the sound 
with a more open heart, like bringing up compassion, or a sense of forgiveness, or a sense of, it's okay, you can be with this. It's just a sound, not buying into it. Just knowing that sound for what it is, rather than creating your whole identity around it, by practicing anger and training yourself to be angry again, instead of to be free of anger. It's an opportunity. But no, we miss that because we're living without remembering the training that's possible for us to remember moment by moment. Taking refuge is bowing, being humble in front of these moments that are difficult to bear. And then as you walk away from that angry incident, or from that incident that brought up some resentment or frustration or bitterness or despair or disgust or joy and happiness and, and wonder and awe and then you wish that that could go on forever but it can't and you feel some sense of melancholia or loss just noticing how the mind you doing that in the half an hour that you're sitting here all that is going up on moment by moment then when you're out there it's like a slow motion replay what you're experiencing in everyday life is what you experience here when you sit down to meditate it's a replay in, in a slower motion or a clip little video clips of what you live through that's how we create karma that karmic replay is, is the lack of awareness of how intention dictates the next day of our life. If we keep replaying the video instead of letting go of the thoughts, we can't purify our minds. Our tomorrows are based on how we live today. So if we're not able to bring up purity in the mind, how is it possible for us to practice right speech and right action. Taking refuge, committing ourselves to precepts so that if we, even if we have angry thoughts, we won't come out with angry words and angry deeds, violent deeds, harmful deeds. This is very important. These are tools that help us to remember how to make this practice relevant in everyday life. You don't have to wear a robe, but you have to kind of make your skin, the skin of your, your mind, the, the container in which this mind lives, the heart itself, the skin of your heart. We have to purify that and make it bright and radiant full of kindness, full of wisdom, full of joy, so that we can live better and realize the true happiness and peace that is our birthright. It all begins with remembering in one moment that I don't need to return the dross and the gross things of the world with the same with more of that. Let the Buddha 
let your best friend, let your teacher stand there in front of you or show up in the mirror. When you're looking in the mirror of your mind, in the moment that you hear those things that are unbearable, look into the mirror and instead of seeing your angry face or your angry thought, see the face of the one that you trust as your teacher. See the thing that will remind you to forgive that and let go and purify your thought so that you can empty out what is keeping you from being peaceful. In that simple little action, you have already had a sip of purity. One sip is one step. It's a training like learning how to put on the robe. Once you put it on once, you can put it on again. After you've done it ten times, nobody needs to even show you. You you can remember. I know what to do. If you do it twenty times, thirty times, forty times, it starts to happen automatically. And then the whole practice takes on a broader dimension. When you come into the Padua center and you sit down to meditate, your mind will automatically feel so peaceful. Breathing in, breathing out, silence, joyfulness. And when you walk out the door, everything that you do will be done with a different kind of energy. An energy that is present, is mindful, is able to be there for yourself and for other people rather than what's in it for me? It's the selfish and self-obsessed and self-centered, not, not happy, caught up, confused. Then you wonder, why am I lonely? How come I have no friends? Where are my friends? You look in the mirror. Remember the Buddha. If you're remembering the Buddha or the Dhamma or the Sangha or something that makes your heart feel bright and pure, then you will always be a friend to yourself and people will want to be with you automatically. They will taste that goodness the minute you walk into the room. It reminds me of when the Buddha realized his enlightenment. He had left his five companions and gone off to practice on his own. He was living as an ascetic in the forest and he had accepted the milk rice from this young maiden. And this helped him because practicing asceticism, his body was weak. It was a very extreme thing to be doing. So coming back to a more middle way of practice, taking a bit of food and sitting in a clump of kusa grass that a local farmer offered him. Then he had a more comfortable seat and he was able to sit down and realize and awaken to the Dhamma, completely purify himself. Then when he returned, to his five companions and they saw him coming in the distance. One of them said, there comes Gautama. He's left the holy life. He's no longer an ascetic. 
let's not pay him any mind, let's ignore him. They looked down on him because they thought he'd left the real path of practice. But the closer he came, and then when he finally reached them, what did they do? His aura was so tremendous, they couldn't resist. They prepared a seat and they all came and bowed down. And then he taught them what he had realized. That's the power of that purity of mind is irresistible. And we all long for that, don't we? It starts with remembering, just remembering what's possible instead of tolerating what you keep giving yourself chewing on an old dried out bone that doesn't really give us a sense of well-being anymore so where have we lost the way and how much can we take from what we learn in these precious moments with us out the door into our daily lives as if we were wearing the raiment of mindfulness all the time now your homework is when you get up being mindful when you go to the door paying attention when you put on your shoes is gratitude for those shoes when you walk to open the door that you can use your limbs and open and walk out the door into the fresh air and see the night sky just let all your senses be aware and watch the mind's inclination to get caught up in thought practice walking meditation going to the subway putting the money or the ticket into the machine walking down the stairs every moment is an opportunity to remember being present that's a training your senses cannot wander out you keep bringing your attention back you keep listening to where is my mind where am I what am I doing what am I thinking this reinforces our ability to be present then by the time you get home instead of already arriving you've already you've home before you're there who drove the car and who is sitting on the subway but be with your body feel your body feel every creak every tension every pain or every comfort it's a young body and it's all strong and energetic what that feels like feel the gratitude for being alive for knowing that there is this path of practice and how much blessing it can bring before we end for tonight we'll do a little blessing chant these kind of chants they're aspirations that remind us of qualities of mind that enhance our ability to purify thought instead of thinking and wondering and wishing and expecting or being caught up in leaving and getting home already you're just able to remember 
and chant, chant the praise of this practice, of this possibility by praising these qualities of mind and sharing the goodness that we, we have developed here and experienced here together with all beings everywhere. <laughs>